0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we gather and come to hear from your word, please sanctify us, make us holy by the truth for your word is truth. Amen. I've got a question for you. What do you think of when I say three on the tree? Three on the tree. Holden. Holden. Who said that? Oh, of course, Mark. Holden, yeah? Three on the tree. What is it? Do you know? It's the old column shift manual gearbox you used to have in the old cars, yeah? A few nods now. Three on the tree. My my great-grandmother had one of those cars. It was an old 1960s Hillman and she used to drive it from home to church and then back home again. And so when uh good old... Nana passed away and went to be with the Lord. Uh, that, that old Hillman, it ended up in our driveway actually and uh, Dad used to drive it and I think I got to learn in it as well. Three on the tree, column shift manual, right? And one thing about that car that I'll never forget was you'd be in first gear and you take off and then crunch, grind, grind. You try to get that thing into second gear, it wouldn't go and I remember Dad double clutching and pushing on the thing, trying to get it through, and the whole family in the back seat, me and my sister, just kind of wincing whenever we'd go out. It was a shocker. Now, once everything had warmed up, though, things were fine. It would change into second, and then then we'd get out onto the highway. You'd accelerate into second gear. Dad would throw it up into third gear, and you'd be cruising in third gear, doing exactly what the car was designed to do, Right? Some people love driving manual cars. I could ask for a show of hands, but I won't. I'm one of those people, I love driving manual. But many people I know growing up, they hated it. They hated learning manual. They, they. But when they finally got the clutch and the accelerator pedals worked out, they just wanted to stay in first gear. They didn't want to change again. That was enough, right? First gear gets you off the mark. That's what it does. But before long, that engine is revving. You can't go very far just in first gear. You've got to change into second. Sometimes it's a bit of a grind and a crunch, but you've got to change into second gear so that you can then accelerate away and get into third gear. So, on this Reformation Day, the question for us is, what gear is this church in? And what gear are you in as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God of grace, you've so wonderfully designed and made us to live for you in all we do. Draw us back to your word alone today. Reform any thoughts and attitudes that are off the mark. Revive us with a new passion and excitement for all your holy things and renew us in your purposes, that we might lift our foot off the brake pedal and experience the wonder of you at work in our lives. In Jesus' precious name, Amen. You know, Reformation isn't just a 16th century event that happened on the 31st of October, 1517, or that's when it began. It's a good thing. Reformation is a great thing. Luther's 95 thesis or proposals challenged the church of his day and they had a massive impact. These proposals lit the fuse that began the reshaping and the reforming of the church. It gave a whole new expression to the Christian faith. Friends, it was a first gear act. It got a sleeping church out of the carport and onto the road. It got things moving. The tragedy today is that many Christians are happy to stop and leave things there. They think Reformation is a great once-off event in history that we come together once a year to celebrate. But I ask you today, is that the point of Reformation? No way. No way. If that is it, then the church isn't even in gear. It's stuck in neutral. We are not a church that meets once a year with the sole purpose of remembering what happened through a bold monk named Martin in the 16th century. We are a Reformation church. We are a Reformation church. When I read the sign out the front, Trinity Lutheran Church, I'm thinking Trinity Cairns is a Reformation church. It's an evangelical church that proclaims and abides in the promises of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The LCA is a Reformation church and Reformation isn't something the people of God only remember but it's something that we all participate in as we live out its many and deeply profound blessings. Wonderful thing, Reformation, wonderful. You know, it's a biblical call and it goes way back. It goes way back. This morning I changed that first reading for this very purpose. Can you recall the name of that king from the Old Testament who was an agent of reform amongst God's people in the 7th century BC? Can you remember his name? He was king who? King Josiah. Remember that name, friends. Remember it. Remember it. Josiah, he came to power at a time when idolatry had run absolutely rampant. I mean, just an example, cult, prostitution... We're used to that, we're used to hearing about that. What about child sacrifice? Child sacrifice, that's happening in the kingdom of Judah. Criminal activity everywhere. Merchants cheating their customers, maybe you know about that. Lenders taking unfair advantage of their creditors. Widows suffering in poverty. Power abused by those in authority. It's not a lot new under the sun, is there? And along comes a little boy named Josiah. Did you know that Josiah was just eight years old when he got the call to be the king of Judah? Eight years old. Are there any eight-year-olds here? There are. They're in Sunday school, of course. I think eight years old, that's my daughter in six years' time with the call to be king of Judah. Could an eight-year-old run this country? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Don't answer that. My bad. My bad. Josiah is eight years old and look at what he's got to deal with. But this eight-year-old boy, he goes to work. He ordered that the unused and decaying temple be repaired and rebuilt with a wisdom that could only have come from God, Josiah knew, he knew it, that if God's people were going to get up out of their mess, it would have to reform and it would have to rebuild. He knew it would take more than human determination but a mighty act of God. And while they're rebuilding, you heard the high priest, I think his name was Hilkiah, he discovers a book in the temple and they took it to the king and people said, I know what this is. I know what this is. This is the book of the law. This is holy scripture. This is what our fathers and mothers used and said was God's word. And it was read to Josiah, this young king, this little boy, and he's moved to his very core. He ordered that the scriptures be brought back to the people Josiah commanded that the worship of the temple be reshaped, be reformed by the words of Holy Scripture. Josiah rediscovered the Bible and he reshaped his life and the life of the people under his command according to its testimony. That is first gear. That is reform. Josiah got things reorganised and he did it on the basis of the Scriptures. What a thing for us to remember. What a thing for us to remember. If God's Word isn't shaping your life, you will be shaped by fad or fashion or you'll be blown about by the winds of popularity. Is is this where the church is at the moment? Is this where you're at? Are you living in the legacy of the Reformation Or is it enough for you to say that you're Lutheran or to say that you're a Christian, to say that you love the Bible? Maybe rattle off the 23rd Psalm or the Lord's Prayer. I mean, is that the fulfilment of all the glorious promises of God in your life? Your life, first gear, begins with knowing, living and breathing in God's Word. That's where it starts. That's reformation in action. That's a reformation church. And reform, breathing in the living Word of God, it leads to something. It leads to revival, which is second gear. Revival is second gear because God's Word is powerful. It's spirit-filled. When Josiah the king heard down deep in his soul what was in God's Word, what did he do? He ripped his clothes, he tore his clothes, he wept, he cried out and then he started to move into action to live out this reformation and this call in God's word. The Bible says the king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commandments, statutes and decrees with all his heart and with all his soul thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. And then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. They pledged themselves. They repented, they wept, they cried out and they put reform into action. And these tears, these are tears of the best kind. They're the cleansing kind of tears. They were revived. They shifted into second gear and then they begin to accelerate here. For this eight-year-old king and his people, it all started with a good clean-out. It began in the temple, destroying all the idols. They, they started with their own lives, putting right what was wrong. They brought back the celebration of the Passover, that great act of redemption in the book of Exodus. I mean, th- these people had moved so far away from God that they couldn't even remember when the Passover was celebrated. They didn't even know when to do it let alone what it meant and the richness of what it was. This was a huge movement in the history of God's people and we're told in 2 Samuel, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. When does revival happen? Is that possible in the Lutheran church? My word it is. My word it is. Revival happens when God breathes new life into His church. Revival happens when the people of God respond to His word, when they clean house. Revival happens when people get rid of objects and attitudes that conflict with the teaching of Scripture. Revival comes when God convicts people and that happens because through Reformation, people are actually reading the Scriptures. They want to hear the objective and clear voice of the Lord and have no doubt when that happens, God shows up. He shows up and He reanimates His people and He gives them the perseverance and the determination to do whatever it takes. God shows up. He does it. Reformation is about God. King Josiah, you know, he did an amazing thing bringing reform and revival to God's people. It was amazing. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It's not the fairy tale ending that we'd like to hear. Twelve years on, Josiah died On the battlefield and the people, they turned away from God and they ended up in exile. They ended up in need of a better reformation. They ended up in need of greater revival. They ended up in need of lasting renewal. My word, did God bring that about? He brought it about. He delivered it through His promised Messiah. I don't know. Do you think God is amazing? God is amazing not an eight-year-old boy king, not Martin Luther himself, but a baby in a manger, Jesus Christ. Jesus who says to you today, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Through God's grace alone, the catch cry of the Reformation, through faith alone in Jesus God saved you, the Bible says, through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on you generously, lavishly, through Jesus Christ your Saviour. This is the real place of reformation. This is where revival and lasting renewal happens in Christ alone. In Christ is where this happens. Christ has won the victory for you. Christ has freed you by His blood shed on the cross. Christ has reformed your life. Christ has breathed new life into you through the waters of baptism. Christ has revived your soul. Christ has renewed you through the Holy Spirit. Christ has done that. He's done it for you. And now God calls you and me He calls us together to live out his purposes in the world, to take his message to a world that is bound by so many things. God calls us to be agents of renewal in this place and he calls us to do it flowing out of his healing work in each one of your lives. Renewal renewal, acknowledging that there are broken lives around us and it's not our business to criticise people for how they got to be broken. That's not our business, but it is our business to help them. It's our business to be redemptive. It's our task to bind up the broken, to lift up the fallen, to untangle those who are confused and most of all to bring home to the Father those who have left home. Renewal for mission, renewal for ministry, renewal for service, renewal that takes broken and battered people and gives them a reason to hope. What a blessing to be an agent of renewal, flowing out of the cross of Jesus Christ at work in your life. Do you want to be a part of that? As people who are reformed, and reshaped each week in worship as people who have the breath of Christ, revive them each day in His Word, as people who are and will be renewed today as you eat and drink at the supper of the Lord. Life and salvation, forgiveness of sins, poured into you through bread and wine, with bread and wine, waiting for you there. Do you want to see God, because it's him who does it, do you want to see God shift into third gear and experience life in the fullness of what God intends for you and for this community? And so I ask you, where are you at your, in your reformation journey today? Where are you? Where are you in this picture? What gear are you in? As we celebrate the call back to God's word, the call back to His grace, to Jesus Christ and His cross, is it time for a good clean-out in your life? Is this an opportunity for repentance with the sure hope of renewal and forgiveness that is yours in Christ, Christ alone? Is this the opportunity you need today to pick up the Word of God and hear deep in your soul like Josiah did, like Luther did, that wonderful, glorious voice of God like the rush of mighty waters speaking directly into your life. He's doing it now he also wants to do it again for you tomorrow to remind you and point you again to his cross, to point you again that you are a saved person, that you have new life, reform, revival and renewal in Jesus Christ. Reform, revive, renew. Standing together in Christ alone, will you be part of living each day as a Reformation Church, as people gathered together, filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray this day that you would continue that work of Reformation in our lives. Please give us ears and eyes that crave to open up your words and hear from you speaking directly into our lives and that that word would change us, that would call us to tear our clothes, to to repent and to come back into your loving arms and that through that renewal of Jesus on the cross that we would see you doing wonderful things in this church, in our lives and in people who don't know you. Father, we pray that you would use us to call your people home because home here in your holy presence is where we all belong. We all belong here at the foot of your cross. Do a mighty work in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.